head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ John Jastrzemski. We're right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And I thought I'd come on, ho-hum Nick game against New Orleans, get right into the main event that is the divisional weekend in the NFL. And we will do that in a matter of moments. We'll have all our regulars for Football Friday. But my goodness, what a rotten, disgusting week. For the Knickerbockers. You have the Lamello Ball-less Hornets. You have a so-so Timberwolf team. And you have a terrible New Orleans team in your building in three consecutive home games. And you lose all three. And you look the way that you look starting off this third quarter against New Orleans. Completely unacceptable. It's unacceptable. The feel-good Knicks of a year ago, that seems like a distant memory. Remember when Julius Randle was a favorite son? You could do no wrong. Crowds chant MVP of Madison Square Garden. Now the crowd can't wait to groan him. They can't wait to boo him. No thumbs down from Julius today. And listen, Julius is not the only reason the Knicks got smoked in this game. Take the starting lineup. They're down four after what was a lethargic, so-so half against New Orleans. But still, down four, anybody's game, right where you need to be. They come out of the locker room with as bad a third quarter. And trust me, Knicks have had a lot of bad third quarters. You follow this team, you know that. This one might take the cake against New Orleans. Get outscored 35-15 to in the third quarter of this game. And look at the plus-minus for the starters tonight. Randall minus 26, Fournier minus 24, Kevin Walker minus 22, Barrett minus 21. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke. 
You're now at a point at this next season where you look at the record at home, they're 11 and 15. You look at where they're at in the Eastern Conference. Forget about a top six seed. You'd be lucky to be in the plan at this point, especially with the way they have looked. And you just look at the overall vibe, feel, look of the roster. Between now and the trade deadline, and I don't know the feasibility of anything right about now. Randall's contract, he's making a ton. Fournier making a ton. So, like, I don't know how much Leon Rose can do between now and three weeks from now. But, like, if they go and make serious change to this team, I'm all ears. I'm open to it. Because right now, this ain't it. What this is, is unwatchable, disjointed, bad basketball. I watched a lot of bad basketball this week. From Monday's no-show to Wednesday's heartbreaker to this joke. Don't look at the final score either. If you're waking up Friday morning, you see the Knicks lost by 11. No, 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 no. Does not tell a story. Knicks are down by as many as 25, 27 points. Cosmetic what the backups do in the fourth quarter of the game. And that's another thing. And listen, this is not all on Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau is not doing as good a job coaching this team as he was last year. That's obvious. And here's my biggest complaint for the head coach. Where's Obi Toppin? Where's Obi? He's playing five minutes, going to the end of the third quarter. How in the world does that make sense? For a guy who can give you energy, for a guy who can get it going. Come on, Tibbs. Play Obi Toppin, for goodness sakes. Go to your backups and your bench a heck of a lot sooner for starters. I'm not sitting through that third quarter. I don't know if I could sit through and watch third quarter like that for the rest of the year if that's going to be the case. We could get on Tibbs for OB and maybe not playing a guy like Grimes or McBride. Sure. The Knicks are where they are at in this particular point in the year because of what the front office did. Let's be honest, in the offseason. What move that the front office made for the Knicks is coming up smelling like a rose? The Randall extension? You thought it was this genius move at the time. That contract looks awful. Looks absolutely awful for years to come. That's one. Fournier, and I didn't like this move when they made it. He's stiff. I know he goes off at 25 or 30 against the Celtics every now and again. Whoop the freaking do. He is soft. He plays zero defense. He's a one-trick pony. He's a stiff. I wish he wasn't on the team. That's two. Walker, and I supported the move. Good roll of dice. Can't move. Can't move. And I love Derrick Rose. This is the fear of re-signing a guy like Derrick Rose. The injuries, which have been a factor throughout his career. And they are most certainly a factor this year for this Nick team. They need Derrick Rose back. They need something out of Reddish. But I am open to changing the fabric of this team. Because you watch over these last three games, it ain't it. It ain't working. This was a tough fellow to swallow. Good thing FanDuel was giving you plus 270. I hope you shared the love. We did. That's the only silver lining for tonight. What a disgusting, disgusting week for the New York Knickerbockers. And my message to the front office, everything is on the table between now and the trade deadline. I am open to anything. And there is not one untouchable on this team. There's not one. You call with a trade that's worth my while, I'm listening. And if you're going to tell me otherwise, you're not paying attention. That's the negative. Here's the positive, folks. The division around the NFL is going to be so badass. That'll cheer me up in a hurry. 
these games are going to be so fantastic. Every single one of these games has a juicy appeal to it. Titans and Bengals. The Titans being disrespected. The Bengals and what they've been able to do finally winning a playoff game. The swagger of Joe Burrow. The swagger of Jamar Chase. We'll get in the picks with all the regulars coming up in a little bit. But I'm curious to see this sort of attitude taken on from an upstart Cincinnati team against a number one seed that clearly feels disrespected. Vrabel, Tannehill, Titan defense, and the return of the king, Mr. Henry. That line seems a little low at three and a half. Saturday night, Aaron Rodgers knows the deal. He and the Packers got to get to the Super Bowl this season. But this divisional round game against the Niners ain't easy. The Niners can run the football. The Niners have the sort of ingredients poised for an upset. They played Green Bay tight earlier in the year. They've had playoff success against Aaron Rodgers. But this is Rodgers' time. This is the Packers' time. This is a game the Packers cannot lose. You could say it's a legacy game for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's all well and good. He's beat up going into this. The Niners are clearly thinking about Trey Lance down the road. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers losing this game would be unmitigated disaster. They are the team that hands down to me has the most pressure on them than anybody in this weekend. They can't lose to the Niners. But the Niners are more than capable. Especially if Warner and Bosa are going to be able to play. And then on Sunday, heavyweights. The Rams have had a lot of success against Brady. They beat him last year. They beat him this year. They got star power. They got a pass rush. But Tom Brady is in the other corner. And oh, by the way, he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. So to have Brady against this superstar Ram team. And if we're going to look at a player that might be under the microscope more than anybody else this weekend, it's Matthew Stafford. Listen, Tom Brady, the legacy is signed, sealed, delivered. Matthew Stafford only has one playoff win to his name. That's my fear with the Rams this weekend. Is Matthew Stafford going to go and screw it up? And then you save the best for last. And Kansas City and Buffalo might be the two most talented teams in the entire sport. It's weird that they are playing in a divisional round matchup. All the firepower of the Chiefs. The Chiefs humming in the second half of the year. The Bills finding their mojo after that Sunday first half against the Buccaneers. They've been a different team ever since. They smoked the Patriots last week. and. They went in Arrowhead Stadium earlier this year and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be a much different Kansas City team. But if Josh Allen wants to be mentioned with the best of the best, you've got to win games like this. Holmes has done it. Brady has done it. Rodgers, even though he's had plenty of shortcomings in the playoffs, he has done it. Is it Buffalo's time? Is it Josh Allen's time? I can't wait for these games. And you'll find this out when we do the picks. There were two games that I knew from Monday and Tuesday on. I knew I was taking them. The other two games, it took some time. But now it's it's Thursday. You'll be listening on a Friday. And the jury and the verdict is in. So, say your prayers for the divisional round. Four fabulous, fabulous games. All right, we're going to do voicemails right out of the gate. Before we hit all our Football Friday regulars, Joe B, Art the Caesar, the return of the Super talented Ariel Epstein, who was red hot with her props. So we had Ariel back on. Voicemail number 917-382-1151. All right, Stefan, let's make some magic. What up, JJ? It's 
Tom from Massapequa halftime for the Nick game right now. And it's just disgusting. First off, I got Kemba over two and a half threes, which fucked me. I don't know why I did that. But watching the team is so different than it was last year. And I'm, I'm like pro Julius Randle because going into last year, we were projected to like hopefully get Cape Cunningham and we ended up being the four seed. So I kind of, I, I like Julius Randle and he earned his contract, but like the team as a whole just looks like shit and watching him now, he looks like shit. So during halftime, I don't understand how Thibodeau couldn't be ripping them apart saying like, you don't fucking pass the ball. Like when, whenever everyone wants to fuck in and play ISO ball, no one wants to pass. That's when they start struggling on offense. And you could tell every time that they play good, it's because they pass the ball around and everyone gets open looks. And then there's fucking games like this where you got Randall running into three people and it's, I don't know. Let me know what you think. This was a voicemail after the first half. I can only imagine what this voicemail would have been like if it was after the end of the third quarter. And you watched that no-show that you saw in the third quarter. Listen, this was as bad a stretch as I've seen from the Knicks all year. To have these three games at home, all winnable games at home. I think I was talking about this last Sunday on a pod. I said minimum go 2-1. and one. In reality, you should get all three. Because if you think this is rock bottom for the Knickerbockers, Tommy Beard just tweeted this out. I have the schedule in front of me for the next 10 games. Clippers at home, at the Cavs, at the Heat, at the Bucks. Whoo! Home Sacramento, okay. Home Memphis, at the Lakers, at the Jazz, at the Nuggets, at the Warriors. It is not inconceivable to see the Knicks go 2-8 in that stretch. It's not inconceivable. And if they go 2-8 and eight in that stretch, then you could kiss the playoffs goodbye and you could kiss meaningful March and April basketball goodbye and you start brushing up on college basketball, the NCAA tournament, and your lottery status. Last year was a feel-good season. Last year, Julius Randle was a revelation. He has reverted back to the player he was throughout his career. There are good games, there are bad games, there are a lot of frustrating games. The Knicks didn't change much within this roster. Bullock, Alfred Payton, are they the be-all, end-all, why the Knicks are where they're at? Hell no. This is about the guys who are here and the guys they brought in who haven't helped. It's not a good mix right now. And that's why between now and the trade deadline, I get a call. It does not matter who the player may be. I'm entertaining that call. There's not one damn untouchable on this team. How can there be? I mean, are you guys watching the same games I'm watching? Come on now. Who's next? JJ, Justin in Miami. Uh, you know, very excited to see what the Giants do here at GM and Coach. I really don't have any thoughts on any of these guys. I don't really follow them super close. I think all of them seem like good candidates. What I'm really intrigued about is I agree with what you said the other day, how 2022 in many ways shapes up as a throwaway year, especially when you consider, you know, how strong the quarterback class is in 2023 compared to this year. And where I think this is interesting is the Giants are sitting here with a lot of draft capital, as we know, heading into the 2022 draft. But I think what I, one of the things I'm looking for is a vision from a GM and 
that really 2022 may be a throwaway year. And if it is, I think you really look at to roll some of that draft capital into 2023. I, one of the things that's just frustrated, I think, me and my other Giants fans over the years is this refusal to trade down. Now, we did it last year, but that shouldn't be the end of it. When you're sitting with five picks in the top 300, in the draft, frankly, there may not be a, a ton of ready impact players. I mean, I think it would be a smart thing to see if you could trade back, you know, especially if you're talking about taking like a, an offensive lineman or something like that and, and get some draft capital in 2023. Because if you think 2022 is going to be tough, really what you want him to do is you want to make sure you're in position to maybe go that extra mile to, to, to land one of those franchise quarterbacks in 2023 if, uh, Daniel Jones doesn't work out. And, and when you have two top 10 picks in this draft, you're really well positioned to accumulate some draft capital in the 2023 draft. Just get your thoughts on that. All right, take care. Good call, Justin. First thought, it seems like all of the names that the Giants are interviewing for their GM seem to be highly regarded. And now that they're down to the finalists, Shane is obviously a big finalist. Paul's the guy out of Kansas City a lot of people like. They're going to get a pretty darn good choice who has a track record as far as working for a winning team. Can he run an organization? Can he be the lead dog? Those are questions we'll find out over the next couple of years, but it seems like the Giants are going about this the right way, so I give them credit for that. I can't definitively say they can trade down and that they should trade down because you got to read the room. Is there a slam dunk prospect that's sitting in front of you that's too good to pass up? Somebody you had maybe one or two on your board that falls and you can't believe they fell and, you know, you got to take them. Is it a situation where somebody is desperate to move up and you take advantage of that? I got to see how it plays out. Like, I know that might sound like a little bit of a cop-out type of answer, but I want to see where the Giants are at. I want to see what's thrown their way. Like, tell me a trade that's thrown my way and then I'm more than willing and I'm more than receptive to the idea. But, like, for me to say on, what's today? January the 20th, the Giants must trade down or the Giants must take so-and-so. No, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm keeping an open mind. Should do that a lot in life, but we're, we're going to do that with the Giants as far as what they should do end of April. And, I, you know, I was thinking about this today. The draft, I believe, is in Las Vegas. I'm pretty sure. We will, we will be in Vegas for the draft. That, 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 is, that is an absolute stone-cold lock. We'll be in Vegas. And listen, you know, we'll see where the world is at in a couple months. I'm vaxxed, uh, COVID, I, I will be there. I will be there. So New York, New York will be in Las Vegas for the draft. There's a little proclamation for you. I won't give you one as far as the Giants trade down yet. As far as us being there, we, we will be in Vegas. And, and it will go draft pod and me rolling the dice at the wind at like three o'clock in the morning. So if you see me there and, and I got like the, uh, the dolphin track jacket going, I got like the sunglasses on with like a, uh, uh, a Tito's and, and club soda in my hand. You, you got the right guy. You got the right guy. All right. Who's next? Hey, JJ. Tom from the here. So before I get to my point, um, I hate to be the trivia police, but last week our boy Larry from Florida asked a fantastic question. Um, you know, who are the only five hitters to have clutched 30 home runs in all three of the last four seasons? Uh, you guys eventually got to the, correctly got to Harper, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Suarez, and Cruz, but there's actually a sixth, and uh, that man is Max Muncy. I actually didn't know this on my own, but after posing the question to my friends, I got ripped apart for not knowing my own trick. So, 
Anyway, pretty easy to know. <laughs> but uh, back to the reason I called, um, JJ, I've come to a very sad realization that you can't win a championship with Julius Randle. Obviously, we know he can't be number one, but JJ, I have news for you. With the style this guy's play, I don't even know if he could be a number two or number three. He's very dependent on ball stopping, isolating, and doesn't really have the intangible to play a secondary role in the team system like a Clay Thompson, obviously Clay Thompson, one of the greatest of all time, but you know what I mean. Just one of those players who knows how to play off the ball, knows how to play in a system, and, you know, is not stopping the ball. Anyway, I, I think the Knicks are kind of doomed with a guy like this on their roster. If I was them, I'd like to move him. It means getting a contract off your books for a lesser player, but someone who can play in a system and have a positive impact on the team. I think that's something worth exploring. Um, curious to know your thoughts. Um, love the pod. Listen every week. Keep up the good work. I appreciate that call. Um, good job with Muncie. I saw a couple of people tweeted this to me. So you guys and gals are all over it. Give yourself a round of applause. Could have threw that name on the list. I'm not going to fight you on your Randall point. Do I see a championship team with Julius Randall as the number two player on it? No, I do not. Now, if you told me it was Steph Curry and Julius Randall, maybe you could sell me on that. You know, maybe. But what does my gut tell me? Can Julius Randle be the number two player on a championship team? No. That's what my gut tells me. Randle was an all-NBA player last year. In no way am I trying to take away from what he did for the Knicks a season ago. He was spectacular. He willed the team to victories. He was insane down the stretch. He was clutch. He was a leader. He was very likable. That likability has gone completely in the garbage. And... Sometimes it's the unfair nature of New York. I hate to say it. New York could be a rough time to be a high-paid, high-priced player. Because when it's going good, it's going great. When it's going bad, it gets nasty. Real, real nasty. We've seen that with Julius. He lashed out. Nick Finn is not going to give him any favors. You know what? I can't blame him. He's been a major disappointment so far this year. Major. Barnes trading him. Walk. How are you matching up salaries? How exactly are you going about that after giving him that extension in the summertime? Don't listen. You you have to present me the trade. I, I'd be all ears. I don't know how the Knicks pull that off. That's my initial reaction. My gut feel. How did the Knicks trade Julius Randle? You tell me. All right. Last but not least, let's hear it. JJ, it's the Coney Island Cobra. Still can't shake this virus. That being said. Hopefully, uh, the guy from uh, Peters from the 49ers gets the Giants GM job today and things start rolling in motion. But I want to talk about a uh, team you bet on uh, just the other night, or it might have been last night. My St. John's Redmen used to be the Redmen. Now the Red, red fucking disgrace. Basically getting taken to the woodshed by fucking Creighton and their farmers out there who basically did a number on them. Mike Anderson needs to wake this fucking team up. Enough's enough. I'm tired of the horse shit. Again, we're a couple games into the biggies. Let's fucking go. You have no quad one win. You got to do something. If this team wants to make the tournament, get the fuck going now, motherfuckers. Enough's enough. Also, one team that's actually playing well in this town that you haven't talked about, I figure it'll be after football, is the New York fucking Rangers. This team goes out there. They play hard every fucking night, and they win. Last night, they were down 3-1 in the first period, came back, beat those pieces of shit, the Maple Leafs 6-3. So, again, Ranger hockey, 
All is well. Let's fucking go. Punching out, JJ. Cobra, appreciate the call. Couple of things. I picked St. John's on our last pod. Whoa. That's all I'm going to say. That was one of those efforts against Creighton. Game was over basically seven, eight minutes into the game. They had no answer for Creighton offensively. And St. John's, you nailed it. For a year with a lot of expectations, people talking NCAA tournament, Champagne, Alexander, et cetera, they don't have one damn quad one win in a league where you have a lot of opportunities to get quad one wins. Here's the good news for St. John's. They right now have played nowhere close to being an NCAA tournament team. They've gotten off to a bad start. Right now, they're not sniffing the bubble. But that could change. Why? Look at their next four games. It's make or break time. I know it's late January, and college basketball gets wackier and wackier with the bubble. And I've learned that from a Syracuse perspective every single year. Listen to these next four games for St. John's. They got Seton Hall twice, top 25 team. Then they are at Villanova, who just lost to Marquette the other day. Then they host Providence, another top 25 team. If St. John's could go and get two of those wins, split with Seton Hall, and then split the Providence-Villanova game, you're cooking. So this season can absolutely be salvaged, but the time is now. Uh, we're going to do a lot more Rangers next week. That was a hell of a win yesterday against the Maple Leafs. Fox is an absolute beast. He is an absolute beast. And you know what? We didn't have him on our top 15 list a year ago. I, I, whenever we do that again, probably in the summer at some point, late summer, uh, I, I think it's fair to say we will be uh, correcting that wrong, righting that wrong. Rangers playing unbelievable hockey. And I promise you, hockey folks, we'll have a hockey spot next week. We call it a little tease here in podcast land. We will take care of you hockey people, especially you Ranger fans who are all fired up about your team. So, appreciate it, Coney Allen Cobra. All right, now it's Football Friday time. All the regulars ready to rock. Joe B, Art, Ariel, let the games begin. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold, slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small Slurpee drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that I'm going to be going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax. Participating U.S. stores, see app for full terms. All rights reserved.
Hi, folks. Now time for old school, new school as we welcome in the great Joe Beningo. And Joseph, it was a very uneven uh, wild card round. Very uneven. How about this, by the way? I hit all the games in the NFC. I didn't hit any of the games in the AFC. Sounds about right. Well, you were three and three, just like me. Uh, We both were three and three. At one point, I was one and three. My best bet of the week came through with Tampa, which was like that game was a joke. The game was over. I was a little worried about a backdoor cover as the game was going on by the Eagles, by the way. But but uh, that did not happen. Uh, fortunately, I, I hit the, the Ram game and I hit the uh, the Chief game as well. So uh, I went three and three. You went three and three, uh, I'm assuming as well. right? I did go three and three. And you know what my biggest regret was of Wild Card What's Weekend? What's the that? Buffalo, not taking Buffalo, New England game. Because yes. I had Buffalo yeah. when they played right. in New England a few weeks right. ago. Right. New England was playing terribly down the stretch. And to me, Joe, that game was over in the first quarter. When they had that Dawson yep. Knox touchdown, yep. then it looks like New England's got momentum. Yeah, the, the Hyde comes out of nowhere, picks that ball off, and they that score again. 14 nothing. I said, this game is going to be an absolute route. I, and Buffalo took satisfaction and sticking it to New England. And they ran up the score in that game. And, hey, that's the way it goes. It's unfortunate they didn't get 50. Now, they missed two extra points in that game. I understand. They still would have only got them to 49. But uh, Bill had it coming, let's be honest. And, you know, the more you watch the Patriots, the more you see how did he get 10 wins out of this team. I mean, let's be honest. This team is really, you look at the Patriots, are they any good? I mean, I was totally duped when they were on their seven-game winning streak. And they got exposed. They lost four in the last five. They lost to the Colts. The The Bills beat them twice. Really killed them the two times they played them. Your team beat them. The only game they won was against the, the crummy Jaguars. They put a 50-burger on them. That's it, you know? So, uh, Mac Jones, I think, was exposed. I think we got, you know, if Mac Jones was on another team that's uh, not the greatest coaching staff of all time, I don't think he has the kind of year he had. So, I really don't know what the Patriots are, to be very honest. Going forward, I don't know what they are, honestly. So before we make these picks, I want to set the stage here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you feel good about these? Do you feel terrible about these? Is there one game? You don't have to tell me what it is I yet, feel, but is there I one game that really stands out games. maybe? I feel very good about two games. Is that Steve jumping in there? I thought I heard Steve say something. I don't know. No, uh, right. anyway, anyway, what I was going to say was I feel very good about two games. Uh, I've, I've struggled with one game. The other game, I I don't feel great about it, but I'm going there anyway. That's how I would that's how I would classify my picks. Fair enough. So here's how we're gonna do this. All right. I'm gonna go first with the first game. Yeah. Then I'm gonna let you go first with the second game. So I'll go first on both NX. Uh, so we'll, I'll go first on the afternoon right. games. You will go first in the nightcaps. Fair okay. enough. All right, but I'm gonna I'm gonna come in with my choice after you go with the first of game. Of course, like, of course. Yeah, no, yeah, as yeah. we okay. always do. I understand. I want to start it off because this might be my favorite play of the week, so I'm a go little ahead. excited go about Your it. Favorite play of the week. I love the Tennessee Titans laying three and a half against the Bengals. I absolutely love them. I think Tennessee is disrespected as a one seed. I think they're incredibly well coached. I think the fact that they are getting Derrick Henry back in any capacity, whether it's ten. Carries, mm-hmm. 15 carries, right, 20 right. carries against the Cincinnati team that in many ways, Joe, had their Super Bowl last week. They hung on for dear life against the Raiders. They missed a ton of opportunities to put that game completely out of reach in the first half. 
they're not going to have the same success on the road against a battle-tested team that's been there each of the last three years in the postseason. I think the Titans mean business. This is a three-and-a-half spread. I don't care what it may be come kickoff. The Titans are winning this game. They're making a statement. Hey, winner of Kansas City-Buffalo, you're coming into our house. You're coming into our building. I love the Titans, Joe. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, bro. And, and everything you said there, uh, I think they're probably the uh, most disrespected number one seed we've seen in a long, long time. I'm trying to think of one that might be comparable. I think they got a chip on their shoulder. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, I love them here. I really do. Three and a half to me. They're gonna. I think they're going to win this game easily. Great respect for Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. No doubt Cincinnati's a team on the rise. There's no doubt about it. But their time is not here yet. They won the game they needed to win. They ended that, you know, 30-year run without winning a playoff game. Uh, they were fortunate to win it, uh, like you said, really. And, and really, the Raiders shot themselves in the foot so many times. I mean, what game. is Carr doing, Joe? What? When they got the momentum, they get that third and 18 miracle with Waller. He yep. spikes the ball. You got yep. 30 seconds left. You got a ton of time. Come on, man. Now, they got hosed at the end of the first half. I hated that whistle. Oh, yeah. Now, it probably would have been a of touchdown course. anyway. But right. a whistle there, guys, stop. Terrible. You never know. That's BS. But the Raiders had two golden chances to score touchdowns at the end of the game, and they came away with three points. You're not but, winning a playoff game now. But the Raiders also made so many mistakes. I mean, penalties. You know, we talk about the Cowboys and their penalties. Penalties killed the Raiders, too. They had that one drive where they got three holding penalties on the same drive. Remember, Jacobs ran down to the one-yard line, got called back for a holding, had to settle for a field goal. First drive of the game, same thing. They're driving, look like they're going for a touchdown. They got a second and one. Darren Waller gets called for a full start. They have to settle for a field goal there. They had that kickoff with Peyton Barber with the ball going out of bounds, ridiculously picks it up on the two-yard line and walks out of bounds uh, to, to kill their field position, cost them 40, 38 yards in field position. They wind up sacking Carr on a one-yard line. They got a field goal out of that. Cincinnati, they were, you know, the, the, the uh, Raiders made a lot of mistakes in this football game. But, but I am with you 100% on the Tennessee Titans. Okay, my friend. So we're one for one. We have a family play right out of the gate. Yes. Yes. I am going to allow you now to set a tone for the Packers and the 49ers with Green Bay favored by five and a half points. I, I just can't see the Packers losing the game. I don't see it. I, I Look, I know the Niners are very dangerous. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any question. This is a must-win game for the Green Bay Packers. There is no no other way to say it. Right now, they are sitting there, the team with the most pressure on them right now of these eight teams playing this weekend. I don't think there's any doubt. Aaron Rodgers has to get to the Super Bowl. They cannot lose here. This would be a disaster if the Packers lose here with the number one overall seed. Great respect for the Niners. You know, Debo Samuel, uh, you know, uh, uh, the kid, um, Ayuk, terrific. They can run the football. They got a solid defense, although both Nick Boza and Fred Warner are banged up. I guess they're going to play. But, you know, they, they are banged up for this game. Uh, I don't like Garoppolo, though. Let's be honest. Garoppolo almost cost him the game last week. He, at 23-7, he missed a wide-open Ayuk that would have been a killer play. That might have been a touchdown, put him up 30-7 to and ended the game. He threw the interception later on after that to set up a Cowboy touchdown. Uh, I don't like Garoppolo, plus he's hurt. He's dealing with uh, a thumb injury. I believe he's got a, a shoulder injury as well. 
But I like the Packers here. I just cannot see Green Bay losing the game. I'm taking the Packers uh, uh, game two. I'm going heads up with you, my friend. And I agree that Green Bay is probably going to find a way to win this game. But I think San Francisco has the blueprint of keeping this game competitive. Why? They run the football. They do run you it. saw that against the Dallas Cowboys. They do run it. Whether it's Mitchell, whether it's Debo Samuel, that to me is the blueprint to go and cover five and a half points against the team that they played early in the year. You know, I forgot to be honest with you, Joe, that the Niners played the Packers because it was the <clears throat> Sunday night I was watching Yankees Red Sox. That <clears throat> was a great Yankee right. win, Judge right. Stanton, whatever. The Niners were down big in that game, came back, and then Aaron Rodgers, of course, works his magic. They end up kicking a game-winning field goal, ends up being a brutal loss for San Francisco. But they just give off the vibe of a team that's not going to be intimidated going into Lambeau Field. Now, do I think they're winning this game outright? No. I think Rodgers probably pulls a rabbit out of the hat, could see this being a tie game late, Rodgers getting him in the field goal range, the much maligned Mason Crosby kicks the field goal to win it. But I think this has classic written all over it. And I do believe the Niners have a chance to win. That's one of my rules. they got to have a legitimate chance to win if you're going to take them. And I broke that rule last week with the Steelers, which was foolish on my part. I'm going heads up. I also got to try to make up some ground whenever I can. So when in doubt, I'll go against you here, Joseph. I'm taking the Niners plus the five and a half. All right. Now, look, they also beat them in the championship game two years ago uh, in, in uh, Santa Clara, though, not in Green Bay. Uh, we'll see, bro. I, 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 I got to go with Green Bay here. I'll be very surprised if Green Bay doesn't win the game. And I, and I don't think five and a half is a big number in all due respect to the Niners. So uh, this one, we go head to head on this one. So we got one, one we agree on and one we disagree on. I have a feeling we will be heads up in this next game. That's yeah. just a gut feel. Yes. We're going to find out. Yes. I love the Rams this week. I absolutely positively love the Los Angeles Rams. That was a statement win against the Cardinal team that did not belong. But what do we know about the Rams? They have given Tom Brady trouble. They beat him last year on Monday night. They played him earlier in the year in week three, and they got after him. What is the ingredient for beating Brady in the playoffs? Pressure. They got Aaron Donald up the middle. They got Von Miller, who has had monster games against Tom Brady in the past. And if you look at the Rams on offense, all of a sudden now, Odell Beckham Jr. is making no, plays. And no I have been one of his harshest critics. No, no I thought it would be a disaster with him going to Los Angeles. I got to eat crow. He has made things happen. He scored a touchdown. He's made big catches down the stretch of this year. And I just get the sense. The Rams are ready to win a game like this, and Tampa is not 100% right. I know Fournette's coming back, but he's not right. The receiving core, not the same as it was a year ago. That defense could have been exposed, but Hurts stinks. Hurts missed multiple chances yep, to get yep. Philadelphia back in that game. And Joe, listen, you know my feelings on Brady. He's the best to ever do it. But I think he's going down on Sunday. I'm taking the Rams. I have been back and forth with this game. I, 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 I back this way, that way, the other way, and around and and. So down. this was the toughest game for you to pick of the four. No, no question, but I'm with you. I'm taking the Rams. Oh, I'm I surprised. Think, okay, I just, I just think they're on a little bit of a mission here. Uh, you know, I tell you, man, you hit it on Beckham. Beckham looks like he's found himself. He's got his head on right now, and it's all about football. They're getting something out of Von Miller. 
Cam Akers, how about him? Let's not forget him. He had a huge game against the Cardinals. He was running like he was never hurt before. He looked terrific. The Bucs are banged up. You mentioned the receivers. You mentioned uh, Fournette coming back. But remember, they got two guys on the offensive line that are hurt. Wirfs is hurt, and they got another guy on the offensive line that I'm not sure is going to play here. And look at – you say what you want about the Eagles last week. They got to Brady. They sacked him three or four times in this game last week. And they got a solid defensive line, but it's not Aaron Donald. You know, it, it, it's not it's not Floyd, and it's not Von Miller. Uh, I, I like what I'm seeing from the Rams. I, I really do. I, I think the Rams win this game with it outright. Um, I think the coaching obviously goes to McVay over uh, over Arians. Uh, really, Brady's the coach of the team anyway. It's tough to go against Brady. The weather's not a factor. The game's going to be in Florida. So there's no weather issue here whatsoever for the Rams. Like you said, I love what I see from Beckham. They, they were able to just destroy the Cardinals last week. Then the Cardinals played terrible. That decision by uh, Murray in the end zone to throw the ball. I mean, what are you doing, I mean, what was that? Wolf. I mean, Wolf. You know, just, just take take the safety and get out of there. But they just got destroyed. Uh you're right about Beckham, and they did it last week with a very quiet game from Cooper Cup. Uh, I like the Rams. I I, I got to take the Rams, and I'm getting three. I'm with you. I'm proud of you, but I thought we were going to be heads up in this game because I didn't know tough. if you were going to go it's against Brady. It's but tough. listen, the Rams, this is not just me holding the future on the Rams because I do at 15-1. to I watched that game last week, no question. and I'm seeing that pass rush, and I'm they like, Tom better be ready, man. Tom's going to be wanting to get that football out of his hands quick, 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 quick. Because if he's taking three five-step drops, he's going to get pummeled, especially if that line gets beat up. Those yeah. guys are ready to go. Yeah, I'm with you on the Rams. No doubt. The only it. thing that scares me with the Rams in this game, Joe, the quarterback. It's the only bit. thing that scares me. Now, he but, was fine. He did an A-OK job against yeah, but the, that's Cardinals, the Cardinals. But now you're going up against Brady. So everything about this game screams Rams. If Tampa Bay wins, I have a feeling you and I next week will be talking about Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford right. and how we put our money on Matthew Stafford. Well, the Rams are a loaded team. And as you said, it all comes down to the quarterback. But I'm with you. I'm with you on the Rams. Last but not least, I'm going to give you the floor yes. for the game of the week. Because, listen, yep. I think all four of these games are appealing. I think they're all right. going to be very, right. very entertaining. But Chiefs and Bills in the divisional round, Seems off because this should be in many ways an AFC title game. I have a feeling what direction you are going to go, and we'll find out what that is. Well, look, the, the line is begging, basically begging you to take Buffalo. I mean, I, I, there's no doubt about it. That's the way I look at it. It's only a point and a half. I got to believe everybody's on the Bills. The Bills look like they they were juggernaut. I mean, what they did last week to New England, yeah, you can't dispute what they did. I mean, Josh Allen looks like an absolute beast. Uh, we could go all the way down the line. They got a terrific defense, the whole deal. But I'm taking the Chiefs, man. I, I, I Until I see the Chiefs go down, until I see them go down, I'm going with the two-time defending AFC champions. I think they're getting back to the Super Bowl. I will see about the Titan game. Maybe I don't. I don't know. We'll see. Right now, I lean that way. Let's see how the weekend plays out. I think they're going to find a way. You're only giving a point and a half here. Uh, they're at home. Uh, you know, look like they're pretty healthy now with everybody just about back for them. And uh, I'm, I'm going with them. I'm going with the Chiefs. I, I just got a feeling about Kansas City here. It'll be a close game, very close game. Uh, I think this turns out to be just a brutal loss for the Buffalo Bills. I'm taking the Chiefs laying a point and a half. 
I fully expected you to take Kansas City. Not the least bit surprised by that analysis. And it's tough to go against Mahomes in these games. Don't get it's me wrong. And, and very, Andy very did. tough. They win. He's in the Super Bowl each of the last couple of years. He's a stud. I got a feeling about the Bills, though. There's just okay. something about Buffalo right now that just oozes positivity. That beat down against the Patriots. The swagger that Allen is playing with. We really have seen the Buffalo Bills take it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Going back to that Tampa game. They were getting yep. their doors blown the off. They were getting the embarrassed, bro. Second half of that game. Yes. They lost that game in overtime. Yeah. But for yep. them to come back, for them in many ways to regain their juju and their swagger, I think they've carried it ever since. And I think it's a statement game for this franchise. I think it's a statement game for Josh Allen. Mahomes been there, done that. I think Allen, in order to put himself on that like pantheon with the best quarterbacks in football, this is a game you got to go and win now. And Joe, I think they have the defense to do it. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that they won there earlier this year plays to their advantage because I don't think they're going to be intimidated right. by the Arrowhead crowd different at team, all. Though. Different, different team. team. I agree. It different is a different team. Kansas City team, but I think Buffalo is ready. So for the second time here in the four, okay, I'm going heads up. I'm taking yep. the Buffalo Bills to win outright. All right. So there you go. So we go. So so. uh we're going, we're really, so we're two heads up and two against each other this weekend is how we're going. That is correct. So we're riding together with Tennessee yep. Lane three and a half, yep. Yep. riding together with the Rams plus three, yes. and then we are heads up on Green Bay, San Francisco at five and a half, heads up on Buffalo and Kansas City at one and a half. And the game that was the toughest for me, by the way, was San Francisco and Green Bay. The other three I felt pretty good about all week. Right, and right. honestly, I I, I wanted no. to go against you. It's, uh, it makes no, it a little more fun, that. you know? I, I, well, let me – but we, we have not talked, and we have to we have to talk. We've got a little extra time. We only had four games. we got to talk about the, the Cowboy Niner game because I'm going to tell you this, and I wanted Mike McCarthy – You did? You were the leader of the McCarthy I, fan club. I wanted Mike McCarthy coaching the Jets, okay? And maybe it would have been better than Adam Gaze. You got to figure it probably would have been. Could have been worse. Like that was one of the worst coach games I ever, ever, ever. Seen. And you know what, Joe? Normally, you and I bellying about officiating right. and bad calls. Right. Every penalty against the Cowboys in that game was justified. Right. You'd right. see guys who eagle hands to the face. Tony Romo and Jim Nance are like, yeah, that's a penalty. When you're over 100 yards of penalties like that, and then you're going to combine the way that game was lost. They kicked a stupid field goal that made no sense. It was horrific for McCarthy. Joe, if Jerry is Jerry from 20 years ago, he's oh, firing he McCarthy I'm right after that game. Already. Well, how about so many things? Like you said, 14 penalties in this game. The fact that they were not ready to play from the get-go. That first drive, San Francisco went right down the field and scored a touchdown. Didn't look like the Cowboys were interested in, in tackling anybody at all. Uh, the insanity after the fake punt, they hit that fake punt, and then McCarthy they leave the they leave the punt team out on the field for like 15 seconds. And by take the time a penalty, they get, right? They wind up with a, with a delay game penalty that winds up costing them. They had they kick the field goal there, and then at the end of the game, I mean, you got it with 14 seconds left. You got you're on the 40 yard line. You're second down on the 40 on on the nine or 40. You got to throw the ball in the end zone right there. To me, you take two shots. You might even get three shots into the end zone with a Hail Mary. That's the play, not what the Cowboys did. I couldn't believe 
They didn't just throw the ball into the end zone a couple times from the 40-yard line. That was the play to me. It's not. It's a no-brainer. That was one of the worst coach games I've ever seen. And it's pretty typical of the Cowboys. Because, listen, when I was growing up, Joe, it was the Aikman, Emmitt, oh, yeah. Irvin and- Cowboys that won three Super Bowls in four years. Since 1996, the Cowboys are yep. a franchise that can't win in January. They have not made an NFC no. title game no. since 1996. It's crazy. Well, actually, actually They've had talented teams, season. but they find ways to screw this up. Yeah. yeah, it's actually the 95 season that they have. 95 season with Switzer as the coach. Right, when they won the Super Bowl beat Pittsburgh. But I want the last one they've won. But interesting, too, a couple of interesting things, too, if you saw the end of the Tampa game. How about how ticked off Troy Aikman was that he wasn't calling Oh, the they Cowboys were furious. He was furious. He, he was, And I don't know how that worked out, how Fox wound up not having well, that Well, you know what happened? CBS <clears throat> paid about... $400 million when they expanded the postseason mm-hmm. to lock in Sunday at 4.30. Like that now, Joe, as long as we have this TV contract. Is that right? CBS paid extra money to get the 4.30 Sunday spot. The NFL, and they're 100% right in thinking this, that is the premier TV yeah. spot of the weekend. Yes. Yes. So they said, screw you, Fox. Don't care. CBS is getting that game. Well, let me say this. Troy Aikman would have been a lot more critical of the Cowboys than Tony Romo was. Tony Romo let them skate so many ways in this game. Troy Aikman would have been killing the Cowboys for what was going down. I I was upset that he didn't do the game. Well, and And you saw Joe Troy during the week did some interviews down in Dallas or wherever on Mm -hmm. national radio or whatever. And he was killing McCarthy and Dak. He should. The idea that they were giving CeeDee Lamb 10 to 15 yards of cushion and Dak wasn't taking it. So, yeah. Troy, the idea that Troy Aikman is not critical of the Cowboys. I'm with you there. No, no, no. That he would have been nonsense. killing him. Nonsense. He would have been killing him. He would have been killing him, Tony Romo. He's coming to his own, to be honest with you, as an analyst. Like, when One he first started, I was not the biggest Troy Aikman fan. I thought yeah. he was a little raw. I thought he was a little unpolished. I like Troy doing these games. I think he's tremendous. No, he's tremendous. It's unfortunate that they're, Fox is only getting one game this weekend because NBC's got the Buck-Ram game on Sunday. So uh, Aikman and and, uh, and Buck will be doing only the Packer game. That's the only Fox game. Packers, uh, Packers-Niners Saturday night. Although that is a marquee game. I would say yeah. Bills-Chiefs no, is. is the highlight of the weekend. Yes. Yes. But when you get Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field against yeah. the Niners in prime time, that's that's top. But one other thing too, with my terrible franchise, the freaking the Jets. How about the shot Aikman took at the Jets at the end of the game too? Did you see that? When he was you know, I don't about, remember that off the top of my head. Well, what was he was the talking shot? about Bowles and how Bowles is going to get another chance to coach and all of that, which he will, and that's fine. He does, he deserves another shot. He had his first shot; it didn't work out, but he'll get another shot. He's a very good coordinator, even though he's a terrible head coach. Yeah, he was twenty four and forty for the Jets. So anyway, Aikman basically, and I'm paraphrasing. Basically says, hey, well, I mean, you know, Bowles, he was coaching the Jets. He goes, yeah, we, we, no, this we says, we know what kind of problems they have there. Basically alluding, saying that anybody that coaches the Jets is, is not going to be successful. Again, and he's right. Look, the, the disrespect is well earned, but it just makes me crazy that Woody Johnson can sleep at night knowing his franchise is a clown show because it's just unbelievable. 
And I'm going to tell you this too. Speaking of clown show, I know they're not going to sign Braxton Barrios. You know, it's funny you mentioned Barrios. I know You know what not. dawned on me over the I last two days? Because he did uh, part of my not. take. He was a Miami hurricane. So if Braxton yep. wants to come full circle, Miami, Joe, Miami in December, January, uh, I, February, well, it's a heck of a lot better than what we're dealing with right about now. So it, Braxton, you and the supermodel girlfriend, enjoy the beach. Come on down, baby. Come bro, on down. My team is a disgrace. And I, I'm telling you, I know they're not going to sign him because they don't know what they're doing. Even Joe Douglas does not. Everybody loves Joe Douglas. We'll see how much we love him after this draft. He better not. And I don't want to be trading anything. I read about these trades. I don't want to trade for any any uh, established players. Screw that. Screw that doesn't work out. You don't do that. You don't well, trade. I don't understand the idea with a young no, emerging team. You, you want to go and get a veteran year. player, you... go and sign a veteran player. No, no, no. You just, you take, you draft with the fourth pick and the tenth pick in the damn draft, you draft plays. You don't start trading down. This do Already I'm getting aggravated with two months away. I had to throw that in there. Aikman taking a shot at my team and they deserve it. And just the way he was so ticked off that we're not doing that game. I, had to throw I that. cannot wait, by the way. And I will give it to you maybe for Father's Day or maybe it will be a birthday present. A Braxton Berrios, Miami Dolphins. Thank you so much. That's what I'll I'll have it what I have in That's what I want, bro. I love it. It's a great Joe Beningo. We're riding together on two games. Heads up yep. on the other two. Joseph, enjoy the weekend. Indeed. And just so you know, I get in the golf pool for the I first know. time. I My know. first selection Wolf. is dead last after a day. All you need to know, bro. Bro, bro. There's a long way to go. We got a long way to go with the golf. We got a long way to the uh, to the British Open. You know what I mean? I will sign, and Joseph, and for one measly win what you at some you point one. this year. One. You need to hit one, bro. That's it? That's it. Start the great Joe Beningo. Start getting ready for next week. Tony uh, Pines, I can't wait. Next week, bro. Can't wait. The great Joe. All the love. See you. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Now that the old school, new school picks are on record, we have two family plays. We have two heads up plays. Time to welcome in our Vegas extraordinaire, Art the Caesar, Superbook, a weekly football Friday contributor. What's up, good sir? JJ, how you doing, my friend? It's a pleasure to be here. Obviously, it's a little sad. We're starting to dwindle down here on these games, but... This is an incredible weekend. A lot of great matchups. This should be a lot of fun. This is a fabulous divisional round. I think all four of these games are super, super fascinating. Uh, but I'm going to cheer you up. Before you start counting down the end of football, here's the good news, Art. We have the shortest amount of time from Super Bowl to conference tournament week that we have ever had because the Super Bowl is in the middle of February. So not going to be as long as it normally is, dude. No, that's great. I mean, I'm with you. I know you're a big college hoops fan like I am. Obviously, I don't I don't really start to rev up until right around this time conference play starts going and really start diving in. But yeah, you're right. I mean, basically football being Valentine's Day, President's Day type weekend. Yeah, we're going to roll right into it and basically be a month away from March Madness. So, that's re- that's a that's a good thing. 
when we're talking March Madness and wall-to-wall games and all that craziness, it's as good as it gets. I mean, I'd put it right up there with any football Sunday for what it's worth. Okay, buddy, before we get to these games, I have to imagine that last week was a bloodbath for the books. Raiders, Bengals, game lands on seven, teasers hitting left and right. Um, You think about that Chief game, everyone betting Kansas City, winner. Tampa game, everyone betting Tampa, winner. Is my guess reality? Was it a uh, slaughter and a bloodbath for the books, wildcard weekend? You know, it wasn't as bad as you would think. We actually saw, now the Raider result was not good, but we saw a lot of late steam come in on the Eagles. We closed Tampa that line minus ended seven. up at seven, Art. Yes. Seven. Yep. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what is going on here for this game to be at seven? It actually scared me from putting an additional unit on Tampa Bay, but I'm glad that I let my football instincts take over because I was like, Jalen Hurts against Tom Brady. Sorry, there's no way in the world I'm taking this game. Hard pass. Absolutely. And, you know, we have talked about this all year. Eagles were one of those kind of sharp teams. A lot of betters had liked them all year, had found value in Philly. That late steam that came in was really wrong. There was a lot of late steam that came in on Buffalo. Obviously, that was the right side of that. And then that Sunday night game, I'm telling you, we took a lot of Pittsburgh stuff late. We really did. It, you know, it knocked us down to 11 and a half. It was really interesting the way that ended up. So it wasn't as bad as you would think. The Rams was not a good result for us on Monday. The Rams were in everything. The Rams were just, you know, money line spread, everything you can imagine. Arizona was dead in the game. So not as bad as you would have thought because of some of that late steam that actually was not the right side. Usually that late steam can kind of, you know, it's kind of these sharper groups or sharper players getting in late and kind of capitalizing, but it just didn't work out. I always try to find an overreaction team from what we witnessed and what we watched wildcard weekend that maybe is getting overvalued going into the divisional round. Art, is there a team that fits the bill? I think it's Cincinnati. I really do. I I love what Cincinnati is doing. I love Joe Burrow. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you this. I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I just like everything he's about. I think they're a little overvalued. They There was plenty of ch- chances for them to lose that game. Give them all the credit in the world. I mean, the they Raiders kinda, left. I mean, two yes. red zone opportunities coming away with three points. And the, they, the Bengals could have been up in that game or up by like 20-plus points at the end of the first half. Fooled around abs- and kicked way yes. too many field goals. They absolutely could have. They let the Raiders hang around. It almost cost them. I think people have fallen in love with the Bengals the last month of the season anyway because of the way Burrow and Chase and that offense has looked. We forget how good the Titans have been all year despite missing Derrick Henry basically since week eight or nine. They are the number one seed. I think it's very undervalued how good Vrabel is as a coach. I think the Bengals here are going to be a little, little overvalued. I think public will be on Cincinnati. We've already seen good, sharp money come in on the Titans. We opened the game two and a half. It got to four. It's now back at three and a half. But I think the Bengals are going to be a little bit overvalued. Well, I like the sound of that. And Joe likes the sound of that because we're both on the Tennessee Titans. And full disclosure, Art, I locked in three as soon as I saw it, went to three and a half at FanDuel immediately. I think it's fair to say you're going to give us your blessing on the Titans laying three and a half. 
no doubt about it. I, I, I'm in on the Titans. I really just like the Titans as a team. I think also too, like they're such an under like appreciated one seed. Like nobody gives them any credit. Everybody's they're still eight be to like, one to win the Super Bowl for goodness sake as a I one know. seed. And, I know. And listen, we all know. And we'll, we'll get to the game. The Bills and the Chiefs. Those are the two, those are the sexiest teams in the AFC. They have the great quarterbacks. You know, we know what the Chiefs have been. Bills were in the AFC Championship game last year. Honestly, if the Titans win, they'll be at home. They'll probably be a dog in the game in an AFC Championship game. So, very interesting. Um, I just think the Titans are undervalued. I think no one gives them any credit. And I think they're going to come out with kind of like a me against the world type feel. So, I love the Titans this weekend. Let's get to the night game. And full disclosure, Art, this was the toughest game for me to handicap with the Niners and the Green Bay Packers. Joe and I have split on this game. Joe is riding with the Packers. I'm riding with the 49ers. Now, there are concerns. The health and the status of Garoppolo, who's not that great to begin with. Warner and Bosa and what they're going to look like. I just keep coming back to the fact that the Niners have the ingredients and the blueprints to cover a point spread like this with the way they run the football, with the way they execute on offense, and all the pressure in the world is on the Packers to win this game. I think the Niners are live. Now, I don't think they're going to win. I think Rodgers probably works his magic and wins this super tight game. But I took San Francisco at five and a half, and I'm saying my prayers. Joe is riding with the Green Bay Packers. Who do you like in a nightcap on Saturday night? Well, you know, I think you're correct in the sense that the Niners do have the ingredients. They have the pass rush. They've been really good towards the end of this set, you know, the second half of the season. Obviously, the injuries are concerned. They run the football, you know, really well, too. I, it's just so hard to go against Rodgers at home. It really is. Now, we opened the game five and a half. We got to six. We're now back to five and a half. The injury concerns are very big, and it's really not even just Garoppolo. Obviously, you don't want your quarterback being injured going into a big game, but Bosa, and you mentioned Warner at, at linebacker. I I think uh, the running back uh, is kind of injured, too. So I just... It's really tough. It might be tough for them to overcome all these injuries. Green Bay is going to be in every money. I was going to say, from a liability standpoint, Art, Green Bay has got to be your number one liability circle, right? Because every team's, every parlay is going to have the Packers in some capacity, I would bet. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, it's funny. The early action that's coming on Green Bay has been more towards the money line. It's been, not that people are afraid to lay the five and a half or the six, but a lot of people are like, you know what? These games are tight. You know, there's only a handful of games to bet left in the football season. So if I got to pay minus 210, minus 220, minus 230, I'm just going to do it. I'll go two and a half units instead of my regular one unit. So I, I see why people are just starting with the money line. But yeah, they're going to be in every money line and every like, every tease. I don't think there's any question about it. And we always get a ton of Green Bay action anyway. So you got to factor that in. Well, we go to Sunday. And I was surprised by this. Joe and I are riding together on this game. I locked it in Monday night because I thought I'd get a favorable number, and I did because the line moved the full point. I'm on Los Angeles, Art, and so is Joe. I love what I saw from the Rams. They had the defense to upset Tom Brady. Offensively, with Beckham and Van Jefferson contributing with Cooper Cup, they got a group of wide receivers that Stafford can count on. They got Akers and Sonny Michelle running the football. And they've had success against Brady. They beat him last year on Monday Night Football. They beat him this year earlier in the year. 
I'm seeing a line at three. I'm taking them on the money line. I think the Rams went outright. Are you riding with Beningo and yours truly on the three-point underdog from the West Coast? I am, I, you know. Wow, so family uh, play uh, with the Rams uh, here. Okay. okay. I'll say this. When we get to my pick, and I'm actually going to give two this week because, you know, it's a playoff. So you got to do it. The Rams are going to be in my teaser. I just, there's no way. I love Rams at three. I'm with you. You have to sprinkle on the money line. We opened it two and a half. We're now sitting three, but we're making you pay minus 120 with the Rams. We feel good about the split action we will get on the game. Brady always gets really nice support. The Rams get plenty of support as well. Even the Sharps are split on the game. But I look at what the Rams did on Monday night, and sometimes it could be an overreaction, but the Bucs have plenty of injuries. Worfs being hurt is huge. The Rams just have so much top talent. All that top talent, if they play the way they are going to play, it's really hard to count them out. Once again, I've said this before too. I got a 10 to 1 Rams to win the Super Bowl ticket. So I'm pulling for the Rams. I really think the Rams are live in the game and I could really see them pulling the upset. I I really wonder what we're going to need in the game. It's too early to say right now because it's pretty split. Usually we go against Brady. We always root for the team that Brady is playing. I don't know if it's going to be that case this week. That's going to be a great two-way game. Let's be honest, Art. Both games on Sunday, I think, are incredible two-way games with Buffalo and Kansas City and with the Rams and the Buccaneers because you're going to have people looking to back every single one of those teams in some capacity. I believe it. I don't disagree. Now, listen, you can make a case for all of the remaining teams, but those two games, like you just said, Rams and Bucks, Bills and Chiefs, really are coin flip games. I mean, they are. And I think they're going to be bet that way. I think we will get... Incredible split action on the game. I wonder if we'll ever get to, you know, is it 55, almost 60% on either side in those games? I don't know if we'll ever get there. Right now, it's not trending that way. It's trending pretty split. Final game, Buffalo, Kansas City. I thought the line would be three. It opened to two and a half, and I think it's because all the Sharps hammered Buffalo the last time they played, and Vegas did not want to get smoked again. So I think they definitely factored that element into the equation. Now I'm seeing the line at one and a half. So is that respected sharp action art or is that just Buffalo being a sexy team that's commanding the line in the market to kind of move accordingly? I think it's a number of things. I think a couple of things you just hit on are correct. We opened it too. Like you said, it's now one and a half. We're booking the game believing Buffalo is the better team. If the game was on a neutral field, Buffalo would probably be a one-point favorite. If it was in Buffalo, they'd probably be two and a half, maybe even three. So we're booking it as Buffalo is the better team. This is going to be, to me, the most bet game of the weekend. It's going to have the best handle. Obviously, it's the last game of the weekend. We get it. But this, to me, still is. All the matchups are great. This is the best one. This is an AFC Championship rematch. These are the two teams I still believe are the best two teams in the AFC. Despite all the praise I you know, gave to the Titans, I still think these are the two best teams. This is going to be an incredibly fun game. The total is interesting. Total's at 53.5. You know the public's going to hammer the over with these offenses. But like I said, we just believe the offenses are, you know, Chiefs is probably a little bit better offensively, but Buffalo is really good offensively. We think the Bills have a better defense not by a wide margin, but a, a nice margin. So 
when you look at this line, this line is being booked as Buffalo is the better team, despite them being a slight underdog. Okay. Now it's your time to shine. Get a sense for your leans, but now you got to lock them in or I locked in Tennessee. I locked in the Niners. I locked in Buffalo and Los Angeles. Joe and I split on that game. What's your play for the divisional round? Well, because it's the divisional round and we only got a handful of these to go, I'm going to throw two out this week. You got to do it. One's going to be my traditional tease. You got to have fun with the teasers. We hit our tease last week. So really happy to start the playoffs with a 1-0. and I'm going to tease Green Bay to a pick them. I'm just going to do it. I think Green Bay will escape. They will win the game. So we're going to make Green Bay a pick them, and we're going to take the Rams plus nine. So it's going to be a two-team, six-point teaser. Green Bay is a pick them, Rams plus nine. And then I'm going to give a straight play. I think Tennessee minus three and a half is a play. It's actually my favorite straight play out of all of them. I really believe the Titans will come out. I even think there's value on Titans minus two and a half in the first half. But I will give Titans for the game minus three and a half as well. And with Joe and I being split, Casey Buffalo, I got Buffalo. He's got the Chiefs. Green Bay, he's got the Pack. I got the Niners. Whose picture like more? Man, that's tough because obviously I like Green Bay in the game, but I like Buffalo in the game. It's almost like this is the first time all year you guys are almost in a dead heat. It's a you wash. Know, you a, can call it a wash. Yeah. That's okay. You know, to, use, to use a little horse racing term here, you know, we're, we're in a dead heat right now. I. I really like both your picks because, you know, if you're both on the Titans and you're both on the Rams, those are games that I really like as well. I, I really could. I'll say this because Joe likes Green Bay. I'd probably slightly lean his picks if I had to give one, but I'm calling it a dead heat. The great Arthur Caesar over at Superbook at the Westgate joined us throughout this entire football season. We got a couple more spots left before we start turning our attention to all the hoops and the college hoops madness. Art. Same time, same place, next week, and it's Championship Sunday. Crazy, my dude. It really is, JJ. I can't wait, my man. Hey, let's uh, continue the winning streak and put some winners together this weekend, and let's enjoy the games. It should be a lot of fun. We'll talk next week. The great art the Caesar. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. So before we say goodbye, we have to welcome back the super talented Ariel Epstein, who I love having on the show. She kills it every time she's on the show. But I got to say, Ariel, I think Saturday of Wild Card Weekend might be, in the history of you and I doing these little conversations, your best performance and your best effort to know it. And maybe it's just more memorable for me because I was getting my ass handed to me, all right? I had the Raiders. That sucked. I was dumb enough to take the Patriots plus the points, even though I didn't want to, and that sucked. But you know what salvaged the day? The two prop plays... CJ Uzoma and Devin Singletary that you gave out. So thank you for salvaging what was a pretty Ron day. How are you? I'm doing great. I feel all the hype right now. And it feels like a lot to live up to for divisional weekend. <laughs> well, listen, we are setting the standards super high. And I'm not the least bit concerned about you meeting that standard. You are going to deliver every which way. Um, but after Uzoma hits and after Singletary hits, was it a all-in-all rock star wildcard weekend or so-so? It was a great wildcard weekend. I was pleasantly surprised because usually the NFL playoffs absolutely destroy me. I was just glad that things worked in my favor. And JJ, the weekend went really well. And then the Knicks decided to blow up my spot in the NBA for some props, 
where I went over four in the Knicks and uh, Minnesota Timberwolves game. You know what? I'm not going to think about it, though. I think I'm here for NFL, not NBA. So let's just throw the Knicks to the side for now and talk about the divisional round. Yeah, I like the sound of that because you brought <laughs> too much winning vibes to the show. I don't want I don't want to hear about losses. I want to hear about a lot more wins in the prop market. We'll get to one of my favorites from last week that I ended up hitting on the Monday night game, which really had me all sorts of fired up. But I want to start with Cincinnati and Tennessee because you gave out CJ Uzoma last week. He delivered for us. So, of course, as I'm going through the games and I'm looking through Cincinnati and Tennessee, he's somebody I immediately circled. So I had to wonder, is Ariel going to go back to the well that treated us so, so well last week? Or do you have something else in mind? No. Cincinnati is bad against tight ends. Tennessee's not. Tennessee struggles more against wide receivers. The Titans allow the second most receiving yards to receivers this year. Tight ends, on the other hand, they're not bottom 10. Cincinnati is where I'm going to target against their defense because, like I mentioned last week also, their defense has allowed the fifth most receiving yards to tight ends this year. The tight end I'm looking at, and it's a little scary, and I may have to still continue to dive deeper into some of these numbers with Cincinnati. However, the tight end for the Titans, Anthony Ferkser, he's actually done pretty well against teams that are bottom 10 against the position. He went three for 23 against the Jets, four for 56 against Houston, and then Indy had a bad game, one for eight. However, I say pretty well because his props 19 and a half. Well, two out of the three games where he's faced the defense bottom 10 against tight ends, he's gone over 19 and a half receiving yards. His long of also 10, 24, eight yards. I mean, all he needs probably is about two catches in order to go over this prop of 19 and a half. It could be done, especially when you have just such a nobody name. I mean, who really looks into Anthony Ferkser on Tennessee unless maybe you're a Titans fan? No, but no those are fun, though, Ariel, because those are names that will live forever if you yeah. end up hitting them in the postseason. So you don't need to apologize for going off the back wall and going to like the fifth or the sixth song in the album. Because, like, listen, if you're a big fan of an artist, it's not just about the hit. It's about some of those deep tracks that yep. have more meaning and more significance. So we're oh, A-OK yeah. like on the that. the Avril Lavigne Let Go album, I know the whole thing. Uh, the whole of course thing. you It's know. not just complicated. Naturally. So, yeah. Ferkser, we're in on what, yardage or receptions? Yardage, over 19 and a half yards is probably where I would go on him against Cincinnati. They've just been so bad against tight ends this year. Okay. Derrick Henry, assuming he comes back, and basically everybody you talk to in Tennessee says he's going to play, he's going to be a factor. Do you think those totals will be reflective of 100% healthy Derrick Henry? Or do you think you might get a little bit of a discount within the market? Or is it just not worth it for you because of the injury risk? Are you going anywhere near Derrick Henry props? No, I'm going nowhere near those Derrick Henry props. The only way that I'm betting Derrick Henry is by laying the points with Tennessee. Derrick Henry is going to play a factor in making this game extremely difficult for the Bengals. The Bengals defense is not that good. They've made it as far as they have because of their offense. The defense, on the other hand, having to stop Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown together, that's a lot to have to handle if you're this Bengals defense that allowed for over 20 points to the Baltimore Ravens with a third-string quarterback who practiced for three days. The Bengals aren't a good defense. I'm not buying into any Derrick Henry props. However, I will bet in on Tennessee, knowing that Derrick Henry being back is unbelievable. First of all, can we talk about how unbelievable it is that this Titans team is a one seed? 
I, I, they completely flew under well, the they radar. Get, and they get no respect, Ariel. They get no absolutely respect. no respect. And, and they did it my words, Henry. if they win this week, they will continue to get no respect against whoever wins between Kansas City and Buffalo. I'm invested in the Titans to win the Super Bowl, so I'll be rooting like crazy Ooh. for them. And for what it's worth, Ariel, I'm all over the Titans laying three and a half. I think it's yeah, my favorite play of the weekend. I love them. I, I love Tennessee. I love laying the points with them this week. The thing with the Derrick Henry props, is he going to be on a pitch count? Probably not really. Just it could be one to two less carries. It could be maybe more split carries than usual because you still need him. If you're going to win the divisional round, you need him in the championship and you need him in the Super Bowl if you get that far. His first game back, you probably are going to get about five to 10 yards off of his normal prop. Let's just say at the beginning of the year, his prop was in the low 100s for rushing yards. He's probably going to be in the mid 90s. That's my or low 90s is my guess. But there's no props out on him yet. That's telling you the books are waiting to hear more news because right now all we're hearing is Derrick Henry's practicing well and he hit and he's taking contact. Okay, we don't know enough yet. And the books having a lot of other props up and not that one is a clear indicator as to where the books feel. And that's uncertainty. Let me give you a prop in the Tennessee Cincinnati game and then we'll get to San Francisco and Green Bay. I have Tannehill, my old quarterback, over his rushing yards. He's a scrambler. I thought it was a low number. All it takes is a broken pocket. Tanny gets out of the outside. He uses that wide receiver athleticism. Slides, pops up, first down. Am I getting the prop queen endorsement on Tannehill over rushing yards? What was the number? I'm going to pull it up for you right now because I have it pending. I think it's like 14 and a half, up, give or take. It's low. I thought it was super low. Hmm. The only thing that makes me a little nervous. and I 15 and a half, but I have 14 and a half, by the way. I got 14 and a half. Oh, I like seeds on the rise. The only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is just because of a Derrick Henry being back. Is he going to have to scramble now that he has that now that he has that security blanket? I have to I have to admit, and everyone has to know where their blind spots are. I mean, the Ravens old GM, Ozzie Newsome, he knows the wide receivers. He can't he can't recruit. He can't draft them. I have had a blind spot to to rushing yards on quarterbacks this postseason. Last week, everyone was telling me Josh Allen rushing yards. I said, I don't know. I don't think I want to bet it. I didn't bet it and it hit. I'm not going to bet it, which means it's likely going to hit, JJ. So just go with your gut. Have your Tannehill rushing yards. I'm staying off of it. I hope for the best for you because it's really been my blind spot this postseason has been figuring out quarterback rushing yards. Let's get to Green Bay and San Francisco. It's going to be two degrees at Lambeau. I love it. Garoppolo is a little beat up, but the Niners are spunky. They are a spunky, spunky bunch. Uh, they can run the football. They played Green Bay tough going back to earlier this year. So from a prop standpoint, Ariel, there was nothing that really stood out to me. What stands out to you? Oh, it's Green Bay's wide receiver, Devontae Adams. This play, I mean, he is likely going off against a banged up San Francisco defense, a defense that's played two hard-fought games. Think back to week 18, overtime against the Rams. Think back to last week in the wild card round. They almost gave up the game at the end to Dallas. This defense has been through a lot the last couple of weeks, and I've been on the 49ers side. I've taken the points with San Francisco back-to-back weeks. I will not be doing it this week. I would lay the points with Green Bay. I actually have Green Bay in its teaser. As soon as they hit six, I tease them down to minus one. I love the Packers. The best way to bet the Packers props, you've got to go to Adams. Adams over 94 and a half receiving yards is the prop. His longest reception is 26 and a half. Receptions stay off of seven and a half is too many. 
I would, I would take the over in receiving yards or the over on his longest catch because he's gone over that number in five out of eight games against the defense, bottom 10 against wide receivers. The San Francisco 49ers allowed the 10th most receiving yards per game to wide receivers this year. Looking at the teams that Adams faced, he had 115 and 136 receiving yards against Minnesota. He had 104 receiving yards against the Rams. He had 121 receiving yards against Detroit and 132 receiving yards against San Francisco. He has dominated any defense that struggles against wide receivers. I have to take the over on Adams because that's going to be the crutch in cold weather at Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers is going to say in two degree weather, who's going to come up with the ball if it's sub zero? Who's going to come up with the ball if it's minus 20 degrees? It's Devontae Adams every time. I love Adams props. All right, so we're not getting cute with Devontae Adams, that's for sure. All right, let's get to the Rams in the box because this day, Monday Night Ariel, and you know me, I usually am a side guy, but now that we have legalized gambling with FanDuel, I mean, I was going nuts Monday night. I'm at Finers. I'm throwing in same-game parlays. I'm in on Beckham. I'm in on Van Jefferson. I'm in on Mac Day over field goals. It ben all Jefferson was nuts. I mean, and, Jefferson, and I thought I was dead on that one. So and I, I thought I was dead on over one and a half field goals with Gay. They kick it with like four minutes to go. I'm like, I love you, Sean McVay. I love you. I love you. That's I love when you. you know it's a good day. It was a fabulous, fabulous day. Now, I want to go back to the well with Odell Beckham Jr. He's got a chemistry going with Stafford. He scored last week. He was a big part of the offense in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. That's the guy I have targeted for my prop. I feel like I'll have some sort of connection with Odell every which way because I bashed the move when they made it. I did not think he'd make a difference. Couldn't have been more wrong. We crow on this show, Ariel. So for the Rams and the Buccaneers, what do we got? Well, if you want to go Odell Beckham Jr., my favorite way to bat him this week would be on his longest reception prop. Both of these defenses are terrible when it comes to defending against deep balls. Tampa Bay allows um, the Tampa Bay is, I think, 11th in receiving yards allowed this year to wide receivers. The Rams rank fourth in receiving yards allowed to wide receivers, meaning fourth most and 11th most, et cetera. The problem with this game is the Bucks still have one of the best front sevens in football. They actually are the best run defense in football and they apply a lot of pressure. Matt Stafford is not going to be able to hand the ball off to Sony Michelle or any of his running backs per se to be able to get rid of the football, manage the clock like he did last week and not have to worry about throwing interceptions. He's not going to have those options and he's going to have to throw. And I'm a little concerned about taking too much into a wide receiver on the Rams, like, you know, yardage or receptions wise, because I'm not sure how much the Rams are going to have the football. I'm concerned for Stafford holding on to the football and not turning it over. However, all you need for a longest reception is one catch. Odell Beckham Jr. is someone I could see having one really deep ball uh, for a catch. But the prop that I like the most so far that I've been targeting, even though it's only Thursday, so this is the one that caught my eye. Tampa Bay struggles against pass-catching running backs. They've actually allowed for the fifth most receiving yards to running backs this season. Cam Akers, the running back for Los Angeles, even though he hasn't really played much of a role this regular season or much of this season, I think he's only played two games this year for the Rams. He came back in week 18 off of an injury, and he ended up having one catch for 40 yards against Arizona in the wild card round. And last year in the playoffs, I think I forget if it was the first or the second game they played, but he had two receptions for 45 yards. His receiving yards prop isn't up yet. Just keep an eye out for Akers receiving yards. He's a weapon I could see the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay, uh, using 
a little bit more knowing that the Bucks struggle against pass catching running backs. They might be the best run defense in football. They still can't defend well against running backs out of the backfield. Okay, Ariel. Devin Singletary, good to us last week. I know it's early with the Chiefs and the Bills, but are we about that action? Oh, yeah. I, I, he's not in my, he's not in my, um, so he's not like in, basically data. the moral of the story is that Ariel Epstein doesn't go back to the well with these props. They hit once. It's this, all about matchups. There's no loyalty. It's all about the matchups. No. Okay. So we're out on Singletary. So yeah. there's got to be somebody that we're in on, though. So the Bills, they were good to us last week as far as a prop team. Is that where you're going or is it on the Kansas City side? I'm actually, so I, I like the Bills this week. I'm taking the points with them. I like a money line. It has to do with matchup. It also has to do with the fact that I had the Bills at 12-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl from the preseason. Kansas City actually allows the six most rushing yards per game to quarterbacks. They also allow the eighth most passing yards per game to quarterbacks. You will see on any of the sports books, most of the time they give you this passing plus rushing yards prop. I'm going to keep a close eye out for some Josh Allen props on rushing and passing yards combined because both of these can make up for one another. I mean, Kansas City allowing a lot of rushing yards to quarterbacks, that doesn't bode well when you've got somebody like Josh Allen who's running like a madman back there. So I'm going to look to that, especially because the other part is Kansas City allows the third most receiving yards to running backs. Unfortunately, the Bills don't really have a pass catching running back that I can rely on. I'm going to rely on Josh Allen in this game to get the job done, win the game outright. Buffalo advances to the AFC Championship. They send the Kansas City Chiefs packing. Okay, Ariel. We're in on the props. What's your favorite side? Is it Tennessee or Buffalo? Ooh, that's a rough one. I went with those two because it seemed like you had the most conviction with those games. Green Bay, too. You liked Green Bay a lot. Do you have a favorite side this week? I re- it scares me because I really do like all the favorites, uh, except for Buffalo. I love Buffalo. Um, oh, you're I not mean, riding I, the Rams with me. That's unfortunate. No, I'm not riding the Rams with you. Can I just can I just get away with saying my favorite bet of the weekend is my Green Bay and Buffalo teaser? That, I'll, I'll accept that. I will it's accept my favorite, that. It's my favorite bet of the week. I got Green Bay down to minus one, and I've got the Bills up to plus eight and a half. I was able to tease this early in the week, and I know people hate when people say that, but honestly, even at plus one and a half, if you want, you can go and get it up to plus seven and a half. If you, like, I, I think that's the, just as good, to be perfectly honest with you, Ariel. It still gets Seven's it through seven. Seven's number. It still gets it through seven. So if you want to go bet those two, just don't tease the Packers through zero. Make sure that if you tease the Packers, you tease them from six, not five and a half. You have to do a six-point teaser from six. Get them down to minus one. Ariel Epstein, Yahoo Sportsbook extraordinaire. And I don't care how they end up doing next week. We'll see you. Same time, same place for Championship Woo-hoo. Sunday, okay? I love Alrighty, it. Thanks clear your schedule. Alrighty, I'm already like penciling myself in, by the way. Sorry. That's fine. I'm glad I have approval. All right, Ariel, good luck. We'll talk next week. Good luck this weekend, JJ. From Ariel Epstein, last but not least, officially last but not least, Jeff Money. And we had a lot of disagreement with Wild Card Weekend. We on the same page for the games coming up on Saturday and Sunday. All right, Money, floor is yours. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This is going to be for our divisional playoff week. Supposed to be the best week of the year. All right, as far as record wise, last week I hit my money play again, so it puts me eleven and eight on the year. Uh, as far as my plays, I was three and three last week on forty four, fifty one and one, counting from the contest plays. As far as our else going head to head, we were two and two, and that puts us um, twelve and ten against you on the year. 
our family plays are one and one, and it's eleven and seven and eleven on the year. All right, as far as for this weekend, uh, as far as for Saturday's game, I think it's going to be two favorites and two underdogs. We guys, we know five favorites came in out of the six last week. So my uh, main play is actually my play of the week, my money play. I'm going to take a home play. I'm going to take on Saturday the Green Bay Packers minus the five and a half over the 49ers. In game two on Saturday, I'm going to take a road team. I'm going to take I'm going to take the underdog. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals plus the three and a half over the Tennessee Titans. On Sunday, my main play is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus the three over the Rams. And the next game, I'm going to take the dog. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills plus the one and a half over the Chiefs. Again, my plays, my main play of the week on Saturday, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers minus the five and a half. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals plus the three and a half. On Sunday's play, I'm going to take the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus the three and the Buffalo Bills plus the, plus the one and a half. Hopefully we can match up with a bunch of family plays. And everyone can always follow my daily picks on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. And for the second week in a row, all sorts of disagreement. The only family play we have, the Buffalo Bills getting the points. We're heads up Cincy, Tennessee. Heads up with the pack and the Niners, even though I don't love that game. That's probably fourth on my list as far as confidence go. And then, of course, we're heads up with the Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. May the best man win. Playoff time. May the best man win. I can't wait for these games. Sunday, we'll be rocking and rolling. It will be a late pod Sunday night because we're waiting for the finale of the divisional round with Buffalo and Kansas City. We'll have you covered every which way. Fellas, outstanding work. We'll chat Sunday night. JJ out. Be good, everybody.